I recently uh, read from our friend Moses in India that of a, another pastor who was beaten and bloodied in his own church building um, by Hindu extremists. And I looked at that and, you know, with a broken heart and, and prayed, but I realized that that image I saw in reality was just a, just a glimpse into what's taking place all over the world that we never see. We, we never experience ourselves as so many people who are attempting to shine the light of Christ in their efforts They're finding retribution. They're finding the light being doused, opposed. The light of the gospel is being opposed. It will be opposed. But listen, it cannot be overcome. The light of the gospel cannot be overcome. The gates of hell will not prevail. St. Francis of Assisi is attributed this saying, and it's a good one. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. Think about it. When you bring light into the darkness, the light pushes back the darkness, but the darkness cannot be so dark as to eliminate the light. And here, as believers in Jesus Christ, and it's true whether we're located in India or whether we're located in Greene County or Morgan County or Putnam County, we are to be light where we are. We are to be shining where we are. And that's exactly what we find Paul and Barnabas doing. We've been in a series in Acts, and, and last time we left Paul and Barnabas in Antioch in Pisidia, up in uh, what is... Asian Minor, modern-day Turkey, kind of, kind of the coastal area there. And they had been sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, and a great many people had believed, and it, it triggered a, a lot of, uh, of enthusiasm. People were coming from far and wide to hear this message that Paul and Barnabas brought. And so we're going to still be in Acts chapter uh, 13 today, and we're going to skim over into 14 in a few moments, but... I want us to look at these verses briefly today as we try to identify some truths about the light shining and about the light being opposed and about our response. Acts chapter 13, let's ask the Lord to help us through this passage together. Lord God, we thank you for your word, for its power, and for its truth. And we ask, Lord, that today it would be deposited in our lives, but not be kept under lock and key, but instead it would change us, and that we would be motivated to follow in the footsteps of those pastors and and church members and believers who are persecuted, and people like Paul and Barnabas, who refused to be silent and were unwilling to cover the light that you, Lord, entrusted to them to shine. May the light of Christ shine brightly through us, for we ask it in the name of Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. All right, we're going to begin in Acts chapter 13, verse 44. So if you're there with me, let's, let's consider a couple of verses to start in Acts chapter 13. We read in verse 44, 
the next Sabbath, so they preached one week and now all the energy is built up. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. All right, so let's just, just think about these verses in a few moments. You've got the message of Christ has so radically changed the lives of some that now the masses are coming, and it seemed like the whole city was turning out to hear this good news, which they had not heard before. The Jew, for them, the Jews, the Messiah had come. Jesus had come. The long-awaited Messiah was here. That was something to be excited about. You get excited about a lot of things that are coming, right? Uh, you know, whether it's a, a new grandbaby or, or whether it's a, you know, a sale at, at uh, Best Buy. I, whatever it is, we get excited about these things that are coming up. Well, here, it's coming to pass. And so they, they're there to hear about it. And, of course, there are Gentiles who also want to know, what is this thing that's going on that's, that has changed so many of our friends, these, these Jews? What is changing them? Now, when that happened, inevitably, there was jealousy. Because now, it wasn't like these Jewish leaders, and when it, meant, when it says the Jews, it's talking particularly about the Jewish leaders, not the general population. These Jewish leaders now were like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. People want to hear them, they don't want to hear us. We've been talking for years, they haven't been listening to us, but now these two guys come into town, and everybody wants to hear them, and look at all this stuff that's happening, it's way out of our control, and they became jealous, because they weren't drawing the crowds like this. They didn't have the response that Paul and Barnabas had, so there was jealousy, they were losing their influence. And it says here that they, they, uh, that they, they, contradicted them they argued with them and that they were reviling them so in public and in small groups they were doing a counterinsurgency to the light that Paul and Barnabas came to shine and it leads us to the first truth that I want us to understand this morning and that is this when we are faithful to our calling to be witnesses we will face opposition we will face opposition. Jesus put it this way. If the world hated me, you know that it has hated me. Well, excuse me. If the world hates you, you know it's hated me before it hated you. In other words, hey, you got to expect it. It's coming. Some of you have experienced this. There are people who say, listen, I don't want to hear about this Jesus anymore. I want you to be quiet about him. There are other people that may have gotten a little more upset about it. But we don't experience what some people experience, obviously, in other countries, but, but there is some pushback. And here's the thing. We receive so little pushback. They receive so much, and yet the boldness we see in them kind of puts our boldness to shame. So we should expect opposition, not be surprised when it comes. All right, let's pick up in verse 46. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly. They weren't intimidated. They weren't cowed. They spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, that is, to the Jewish people, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. 
For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So Paul's not intimidated. Paul and Barnabas, they they aren't backed into a corner. They keep boldly preaching the truth. They adjust their message a little bit, though. They tell these Jewish leaders, okay, you don't want to listen. God has another audience that he's put here, and we're going to go to them. We're going to go to the Gentiles. Now, remember, uh, the, the Jewish leaders would have not had much to do with any of the Gentiles. They didn't want to intermix. You know, in, in normal business dealings, normal life, the, the regular Jewish people, they, they, they'd see Gentiles. Maybe they had a bad opinion of them, but, you know, they still had to interact with them. The Jewish leaders didn't want anything to do with them. So this would have been a, a tremendous insult to these Jewish leaders. But he says, listen, this is part of God's plan. Way back, let's say in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah said that we, as Jewish people, are to be a a light to the nations, or be a light to the Gentiles. We're to carry the salvation to them, and what they had done was exactly what Jesus warned us not to do. They'd taken that light, and they had put it under a basket and hidden the light. They hoarded the light. No, no, no. This is for us. It's not for them. And they refused to shine that light and to see others come to know the Lord that they had come to know. But when the Gentiles heard it, when the Gentiles heard it, they were filled with joy because now this message of salvation was for them. This door that had been closed for so long had now been flung open. The light was now shining in their darkness. And they not only believed, they began to do exactly what Paul and Barnabas was doing. They began to spread the word. Which leads us to the second truth we have, and that is this. If we're to remain faithful in our witness, it will require holy boldness. We don't need to be intimidated. We don't need to be put into a corner. This message that has been entrusted to us, this gospel, this good news of salvation, it is something that we can proclaim with boldness. Number one, Because we know it's true. We've received it. We've experienced it. It's changed our lives. It's changed our eternities. And we know that it can do the same for others. We've seen it in their lives. Having said this, why do we keep quiet? Why why are we afraid? Why do we feel backed into a corner? How do we feel perhaps even embarrassed? What God, what we need to ask God is for his spirit to come and fill us with a holy boldness. Now, please don't get me wrong. Holy boldness does not mean holy rudeness, okay? We don't have to be rude. We don't have to be vicious. We don't have to be angry people when we're sharing this good news. There ought to be joy. 
there ought to be evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives to make our lives then attractive to others. If Jesus has made a difference in us, then perhaps he can make a difference in them. And may God give us that holy boldness. Let's look in verse 50 and following here. It says, but the Jews, again, the Jewish leaders, the Jews incited the devout women of high standing. So now got the women involved in this. Uh, sometimes this gets things done, right? When you get the women involved, things start to change. Got the women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up, agitated. Uh, and they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and they drove them out of their district. But they, meaning Paul and Barnabas, shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So this spread of the gospel has so upset the Jewish leaders who've now lost control. There are Jews believing in Jesus and there are Gentiles who are believing in this Jewish Messiah. And so they've lost total control. And so they get the most influential people that they can find. And they say, okay, we're going to shut this down. And they caused a stir in the city, agitation in the city, and, and, and the pressure became to, be put, put, became to be put on Paul and Barnabas. And it says they did an interesting thing. They left. They left the city. But as they did so, they shook, shook off the dust from their feet. What, that's an expression basically meaning that, uh, you know, I'm not taking anything from this town with me as I leave. I'm leaving. Nothing from this town is going with me that's what they were saying it's kind of a i guess a, a kind of a symbolic curse certainly wasn't a blessing but you know what we've experienced here we're not taking this with us uh in other words as the the prophetess taylor swift would say shake it off shake it off no i do not believe taylor swift is a prophet so okay but literally, that's what, you know, if you, I've listened to her song a couple times. If you listen to her song, she's just saying, hey, this stuff, I'm not taking it with me. I'm dumping it. What you've said about us, what you've done against us, I'm not taking it with me. And listen, I want to tell you something. This is not in the sermon notes, but I want to tell you this. There are things that people have said to us and done to us that we continue to carry. We carry that dirt. We carry that filth. And it ruins our lives. They don't care. Doesn't bother them. But us, it's, it messes us up. And there may be that God's telling you today, there's something you need to shake off. There's some dirt that people have put into your lives that you've been carrying that you need to wipe off your feet. And walk away from it today. Well, as we go on in the passage, we, we see that uh, it says that Luke tells us that the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And when you read this, it could be that it's talking about Paul and Barnabas who've just left. And that they, they're leaving. They're, they're joyful. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They've done what God has called them to do. They've been faithful. So they can now leave filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. Uh, my thinking is he's probably referring to the people 
back in Antioch. The people they're leaving behind, because think about it. You've got a group of Jews who've heard about this Messiah, who've read about this Messiah all their lives. And they finally come to know who he is. They've finally come to to discover the salvation that had been promised for so very, very long. And that would bring joy. That brings the Holy Spirit. But there's also this group of Gentiles now. This group of people who had no connection to the Jews whatsoever, but they heard this message about Jesus and how salvation was now for them. And now they have received him as Savior, and they too have the Holy Spirit living in them, and they are filled with joy. There's a church now. When I say there's a church, I don't mean a building, but there's a gathering of people now in Antioch, Pisidia, both Jews and Gentiles, who know Jesus as Lord. A new church is born. That is reason for joy. And so I guess you could say, yes, when Paul and Barnabas left the city, they left everything about Antioch behind, but they left with joy. And they left behind the joy of the Lord. So the third truth that I have for you this morning is is very simple. When people come to know that they are fully forgiven and given new life in Jesus, they cannot help but have overflowing joy. Some of you have gone through some really difficult times. You're going through some difficult times and struggles right now. Keep this in mind. This needs to be on the front burner. And that is no matter what happens to you, no matter what you do, no matter what someone has done to you, no matter what you say or someone has said to you, no matter how you feel about how you feel, who you are is a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You have an eternal home in heaven and you have a Savior who lives in you right now and who has promised that he will never leave you and he will never turn his back on you. It doesn't matter. Everybody else in the whole world may turn their backs on you, but Jesus will remain faithful. Well, let's push on through a few verses in 14 and we're going to wrap up this message this morning. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 1, now at Iconium, that's where they've gone, a little further inland. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue, and they spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks, now when it means Greeks here, is talking about those people who were out in the, the Greek-speaking world who are Jews. So these are just, you have Hellenists, remember, you may remember this, Hellenist Jews and Grecian Jews. So if he's in the synagogue, he's talking to Jews. They're both Hellenists and Greeks there. So both, both Jews and Greeks believed, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time speaking, excuse me, speaking boldly for the Lord who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Jews and by Gentiles and Jews, 
with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them. They learned of it, and they fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. We're going to find that this is a cycle in Paul's missionary journeys. He goes into a place and he begins to speak about Jesus. And there are going to be people who believe, who trust in Jesus. People who are saved. But there are going to be many others who are going to, going to see that light shining. And they're going to want to turn it off. They're not going to believe it. And beyond just not believing, they're going to do their best to quiet the messenger. To still the message. I, I don't know what it's like in, in your house, but you have those occasions where you're, maybe your you're husband or wife or maybe it's your parent walks in and flips on a light switch at some ungodly hour. And you're, you're sound asleep, and then that light goes on, and boom, the whole world has just changed for you. And all you want to do is cover your eyes from the light. When the light of Jesus shines into the darkness, there will be people who will rejoice that the light has come. And there will be people who will do whatever they can possibly do to douse that light, to remove that light. It becomes uncomfortable for them. So this is the cycle. But Paul and Barnabas would not stop. No matter what they said against them, they would not stop. No matter what they did to them, they would not stop. No matter what threats came against them, they would not stop. Why? Because they knew that they walked in a world of darkness. And if they didn't carry the light, those people would remain in darkness for all eternity. And they couldn't live with that. Which leads me to the fourth truth this morning, and it's this. The souls of men and women are too precious for believers to quit sharing Jesus. This year we're continuing our Who's Your One emphasis. And I know when, a, when something is sat out in the gathering space for a year, you kind of get used to it to the point that you overlook it. But I want you to look at it again with fresh eyes. This is not just a, a gimmick. It is something to get your attention. It is something to highlight something important. And I want to, because we've had people who joined in the last year who may have looked at it, but really not knowing what it is. And then we've had the rest of us who knew what it was, but it began to become just invisible as we walked by. Let me tell you what it's for. We have some ping pong balls there. And uh, occasionally our children like to play with those, but that's not what they're particularly there for. They're three different color ping pong balls. They're white ping pong balls like this. And this is to indicate that there's somebody that I am praying for to come to know Jesus. I'm not praying for them because they're sick. I'm not praying for them because they've got surgery coming up. Those things are important. But these are for the people that I know that I am praying earnestly that they'll come to know Jesus. And what we're asking is you'd write their initials on this little ball and you take it and drop it in the slot. 
I mean, the noise. There are also these light blue ping pong balls. What are these for? These are for the people that you have invited to come to small group or invited to come to worship. The people that you encounter on a regular basis, the people you connect with on a regular basis, and you begin to invite them. And, and I just encourage you to, to write their, their first initial. I dropped one in today for a young lady I met who was serving the table at a restaurant. I put her initial on a ball because I invited her to come. I didn't see her here today, but, but I still have hopes, you know, because I go to that restaurant more than once, and I'll run into her again, and I'll invite her again, and that's okay. I'm only going to put in one ball, but still, this, what, that's what this is for. We put that in there. Now, the gold ball, it's gold because it's special. We want to be praying for people. We want to be inviting people to church. But we have been entrusted with the light of Christ in order to shine. And we're to be looking for opportunities to tell other people about this Jesus that we've come to know. To share our faith with them. And to invite them to experience what we've experienced. And when we've done that, what we've asked you to do is to take one of these gold balls and to write just the initial person on it. I shared the gospel with John Smith, whatever. Write the initial and drop it in there. Now, what's, what's the point of this? Why are we doing this? It's very simple. Sometimes we need a reminder. I had a putter at home that needed to be re-gripped, and Toby Dalton offered to re-grip the putter. I, I had to give myself a reminder. Took a post-it note, wrote putter on it, stuck it on the door so I couldn't miss it as I went out because I didn't want to forget to bring the putter with me today. Toby, you need, you need that post-it note so you don't forget to take it home. Sometimes we need a, we need a reminder, don't we? Wait, you've got Lisa. You don't need a note. Okay. We need reminders. I may not get it back now. Sorry. <laughs> he does great work, by the way. Um, that is our reminder. When we walk by and we see, hey, there are other people other than my one who's being prayed for. There are other people who are inviting people to church. There are other people who are sharing their faith. I'm not in this alone. And it's also a great place to stop and to pray. You don't know who all those balls represent other than the ones you put in. But it's an opportunity to pray. God, hear these prayers. Answer these prayers. Bring these people to connect with a church. Open their hearts to receive the light. We'll probably face opposition, but it'll never be anything like our brothers and sisters in India and Afghanistan and China or North Korea will face. We'll never go any, through anything like Paul or Barnabas where they were threatened to be stoned. Nobody's threatened to, to stone us for telling them about Jesus. So how can we keep silent? We carry the light of Christ. And if we are not faithful in that task, then people will remain in darkness.
So what will we do? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, for its strength, for its power, for its ability to transform us. And Lord God, I pray today in the name of Jesus that you will motivate us, your people, to be faithful in sharing the light. That you will give us a holy boldness to speak the truth of the gospel. And that you would open our eyes to see the people who walk in darkness. That we might be willing to share the light that we have with them. Lord, I pray that you will grow this church, not because we deserve it, but because, Lord, you are faithful. That we will be a place that holds high the light of Jesus Christ. That lets people know that there is but one Savior. And that we all need him. That apart from him, none of us have any hope. But that you loved us, God, so much that you sent your son to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins. That he was buried, but didn't stay that way. For on the third day, he rose again to life. And 40 days later, he ascended to heaven with the promise that he'd come again. Father God, I pray today that that truth will be on our lips as well as in our hearts. And that you would cause this congregation of people, in fact, the the larger gathering of believers in this area, Lord, that you would cause us to so shine that people might not only see our good works, but hear the good news and come running to Jesus. And Lord, we pray that we would be committed to bringing glory to you by bringing people to Jesus. Lord, if there's anyone here today that your spirit's been working in who needs to respond to the gospel and receive Christ, I pray this will be their day. Lord, if there's anyone here today who needs a church home and you're calling them to grace, Lord, let this be their day. If there's anyone, Lord, who simply needs to come and pray and lay it all down before the altar, maybe leave something here that they need to shake off, let this be their day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.